Some of you have uh, been sitting in the sanctuary, I'm sure, and, and saw this little pile of rocks here. If you haven't, pay attention. It's important for what I'm going to preach on, where we're going to go today. Maybe you heard the story. Uh, 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 it's about a scene that took place in the San Diego courtroom. Two men were on trial for armed robbery. An eyewitness uh, took the stand, and the prosecutor carefully... Uh, started to talk. He asked the witness, eyewitness, so you were at the scene when the robbery took place? And the person said, yes. And you saw a vehicle leave at a high rate of speed? Yes. And you observed the occupants? Yes, two men. Then the prosecutor boomed. And are those two men present in the courtroom today? And before the witness could answer, the crowd in the courtroom was shocked because the two defendants raised their hands, <laughs> sealing their fate for the day. 
Before we get too far into uh, my sermon, let me say this. The earliest copies of the book of John, this passage is not included. When it was researched, it wasn't until the 5th century that this passage was inserted in John's narrative. So we know that he didn't write it. It's not his. But before we reject it as something uh, you know, included by a scribe or maybe a church conclave back then, there's so much truth in it, we can't reject it as something Jesus didn't do or say. See, this passage that we're going to read in just a minute is part of the oral tradition, passed on from one generation to the next. We need to think about why it was included. This time in the life of the church, there were lots of dynamic battles going on. People trying to make their idea of what was right and wrong. And I believe that it was... Uh, at this time, somebody said that this story was needed as a correction to the church. So with that understanding, uh, hear the word of the Lord. It starts um, in verse 52 of chapter 7 of the Gospel of John. They replied, are you from Galilee too? Look into it and you will find that the prophet does not come out of Galilee. Then each went to his own home. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis to accuse him. But Jesus bent down and started to write in the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, if any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw the stone at her. And then again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir. She said, then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, now go and leave your life of sin. That's the word of the Lord to us this morning. Even, this, even though this passage may not have been written by John, it still may be regarded as a true story. Actions and words of Jesus are consistent with what we know of him from the rest of the Gospels. So if you're new here today and new to Christianity, you will soon discover that Jesus deals with tension between grace and truth. 
This is a great reminder of how we are called to live. It's not easy and we tend to drift away from it, but it's Jesus' call upon our lives, followers of him, grace and truth. I don't know about you, but I find it difficult to live in this tension. There's no place in my life that I lack this tension more than when I'm driving in my car. It's not long after I get into my car that grace goes right out the window. Can you relate? <laughs> Some of you can, I can tell. I know the rules and the customs of the road, and if you aren't following them, I have no grace for you. I talk to all the drivers around me. Every now and then I'll make a mistake while I'm driving. It's rare, but I, I will, uh, it does happen. Maybe I cut somebody off or I pull out in front of a car or I don't, uh, that I didn't see or I, I don't pay attention to my speed. Uh, I make a mistake and somebody honks and then gives me the one finger salute. And then a strange thing happens to me. For the rest of my drive, wherever I'm going, when I see someone do something wrong, I don't get mad. I realize the importance of living in the tension between grace and truth. Because I can see how out of whack I am. In John 1, 14, uh, Jesus says that he came, uh, it says of Jesus that he came full of grace and truth. But the problem for us is that uh, our lives, uh, most of us lean towards either grace or truth. Truth without grace breeds self-righteousness and legalism. You know who those people are in this church. They're the, 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 the ones that call us on everything. But grace without truth breeds deception and moral compromise. But here, Jesus is, is teaching that the best expression of love is found in the tension between grace and truth. The truth is that we're really bad at this tension. We aren't very good at living in this tension. Sometimes we don't offer grace to people in our lives that need it. And sometimes we don't pe tell people the truth of their actions. We're not alone. We aren't the first ones to struggle with this tension. On one extreme, you have grace. A lot of Christians believe it doesn't matter what the Bible says. doesn't matter that, uh, what a person does or doesn't do. It doesn't matter how a person chooses to live their life because at the end of the day, there's grace. A lot of people believe that God is so loving, so forgiving, that truth doesn't matter anymore, or at least matter enough for me to change the way I'm living. They say, I don't care what the Bible says. I don't care what God says is better, uh, is a better way to live. I'm going to do what I want to do, and hope in the end, grace lets me get away with it. For them, it's all grace and no truth. And then there's the flip side. 
A lot of people look at what Jesus said as truth and focus on that. Here's what the Bible says about truth. Here's what God says is the best way. So many people take this truth and load them up in their lives and then fire them at unsuspecting people. We all know people like that. They can condemn other people based on truth that they found in the Bible. They use truth to tear them down. But in that process, they often get uh, torn down themselves. A lot of people believe that if you don't live by truth, God will see through your little charade and see that you're a fake and uh, you won't get any grace because you were never a Christian to begin with. Every time you make a mistake, every time you sin, every night when you lay your head down, you wonder if you're saved. But some of us think, I fessed up last night. Maybe my salvation isn't in question. Maybe I don't have any grace because I was never saved in the first place. Do you ever think that way? It's all truth. No grace. So please hear this. Thankfully, Jesus doesn't teach either of those extremes. The church that Jesus came to establish isn't found in either of these extremes. It's not either or, it's both. It's grace and truth. The church is to live in that tension. If this tension is missing, then the church is lacking. If you ever go to other churches, it doesn't take long for you to discover whether they're a grace church or a truth church. And very few churches are both. Well, it's early one morning, and Jesus is teaching in the temple. When all of a sudden, the men bring in a woman uh, and put, him be put her before him. Woman was caught in the act of adultery. But doesn't it take two to tango? Where's the man? Wasn't he caught up as well? No, he wasn't. He was let go. He sinned, and, and the law says that by law he was to be killed as well. The men were to be strangled. The women were to be stoned to death. Aren't you? I've got stones here. And so I thought that if... One, if I saw anybody falling asleep during church, which I would assume is a mortal sin, I'll throw this at you. I won't touch those again, I promise. You can, you can, you can hold me accountable to that. Although you front row people are in danger. If I pick one up, just know that, okay? Just, and I won't mention who. Yeah, yeah, okay. You get who it is. Jesus is trying to teach that it's both grace and truth. See, the Pharisees, they set the trap for Jesus. They want to do away with him. They want to kill him. This was probably this woman's worst day of her entire life. She's standing in the temple, probably with just a sheet wrapped around her, Standing before Jesus and the teachers of the law and some of the students of Jesus. And then they begin to question Jesus. 
They start to quote scripture uh, uh, to Jesus, which is never a good idea. Jesus, did you know that the Bible says this? And I'm sure he said, yeah, I wrote it. So they're quoting scripture and telling Jesus this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And then they remind Jesus uh, that that was sin. Not only a sin, but a crime. And one punishable by death. Leviticus 16 teaches that. Anyone caught in adultery can be stoned to death, at least the women. See, that's the truth. The woman broke God's law for sexual purity. She's blown up her marriage and probably blown up another marriage as well. Have you ever been found that way? I don't mean being caught in adultery uh, and standing up in the church uh, with just a sheet wrapped around you. Uh, no, no, I'm not talking about that. But what I'm talking about is, have you ever been caught in a sin? Romans 6 talks a lot about it, too. Romans says not just adultery, but all sin is sin, and sin is punishable by death. So these guys say, Jesus, what should we do with her? See, they're trying to trap him. But Jesus knows what they're trying to do. I'm guessing that you have been in some kind of a humiliating situation like this before. You've been found out, right? You've been caught. Think back to that time. What was it that you needed right then? Maybe you're a parent, and you definitely caught your kid doing something that they shouldn't have been doing. You caught them, and they're guilty. Do you know what they needed at that moment? Do you know, know what we all need at that kind of a moment? Yeah, we need truth, but we also need truth with love. We need truth and grace. Teachers of the law and the Pharisees uh, brought, a, brought a woman caught in adultery. They stood her up before Jesus and said, Now, what do you say? They were using this question to trap in order uh, to have a basis for accusing him. Uh, they were either going to tell the people that he didn't follow God's law, or they were going to tell the Roman leadership and, uh, and uh, that he broke a law and he needed to be dealt with. Bible, Jesus responds by kneeling down and writing in the dirt. Now, nowhere does it tell us what he's writing because really that's not what we're supposed to focus on. But they keep questioning him. So he stands up and he says, any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Then again, he bends down and writes. That's what he said. But it's important to know what he didn't say. Because a lot of us impose things on what Jesus said. Things that we think should be in the Bible. Here's what he didn't say. He didn't look back at the crowd and say, come on, it's not really a big deal. Maybe back in old-fashioned Moses' day, but not in our modern first century. We're cool, come on guys, it's no big deal. 
So don't worry about it. With all the other problems in the world right now, do you really think this is a big deal? There's another thing that Jesus didn't say. Give her a break. It's not really her fault. You don't know her story like I do. You see, she's been in a bad marriage with a guy she shouldn't have married in the first place. Her husband doesn't treat her very well, and, and she still has some daddy issues that she's dealing with. So she fell in love with a guy she met at Habib's place around the corner. For once, she felt good about herself, and it makes her happy. He promised her all these things, and she believed it. So really, it's not all her fault. He also didn't say, come on, we all make mistakes. She's only 19. It was the prom. It was college. We remember those days, but he didn't say that. Maybe you wished he said it, but he didn't. Jesus also didn't say, you're right. She was caught in sin, and the wages of sin is death, so let's do it. If you're looking for somebody to cast the first stone, I'm in. I'll blow the whistle, and we'll all go after her. Let's give her what she deserves. He didn't say that. What he said was, if there's someone else in this religious crowd who hasn't committed a sin, maybe not this sin, but a sin that the Bible tells us not to do, if someone like that exists in this crowd, go ahead, by all means, throw the first stone. You know what happened. Those that heard began to go away, one at a time, from the older to the youngest. They left with just the woman standing there in front of Jesus. Why'd they go home? They were right. They had truth on their side. They had a Bible verse to back it up. Why didn't they just point to the verse and step into the role of judge, jury, and executioner? The answer is just truth. That same truth that brought them to that place where they thought they had the right to attack what others have done wrong also stopped them dead in their tracks. When Jesus acknowledged uh, that uh, what they said is true, he also acknowledged another bigger truth. That truth is, if those are the rules you want to play by, we can play by those rules. But are you sure you want to do that? We can use truth as a weapon to destroy people. The church seems to be very good at that. We can use truth to destroy her, but when we're done with her, guess what? You're next. It's your true turn. That's what truth does. Everyone gets what they deserve. Anybody want to play by those rules? The crowd goes home. Nope, they say, I'm out. They drop their stones and they go home. So let's be honest. You and I do this all the time. When we some, see somebody else make a mistake, I'm so quick to throw the truth at them, but when I'm the one that makes the mistake, I want people to offer me grace. I want to be judged with grace. Isn't that true for you? Listen, the truth you're using to condemn that person in your family or your workplace 
or the guy in the store or even the person in your church, that truth will also condemn you. If you want to bring truth into the picture, then everyone gets what they deserve. Some of us in this room uh, uh, that are doing uh, something we know we shouldn't be doing, and we've been doing it for a long time, we've let, let this sin live in our lives. Jesus doesn't want to condemn you. He's not going to use the truth to throw stones at you. If you were uh, to lean into Jesus, really lean into him in his strong arms, here's what I think he'd say to you. I'm going to give you what you need, not what you deserve. He says, I want something better for you, but uh, you've got to stop. You've got to stop living your life that way because it's not the best that I have for you. So let me ask you, are you accepting God's grace in your life to cover your mistakes? Or are you trying to fix them yourself? Are you listening to God's truth in your life or are you using grace to get away with sin? The tension, if I never offer grace, I'm just a jerk. Or if I never am offered truth, I'll never really grow. I know it's true in my marriage, or it was true in my marriage. If I didn't offer my wife grace, I was a jerk. I knew it. But if she didn't offer me the truth in, my, in our marriage, I'd never grow again. See, we need grace and truth. We need to follow what Jesus modeled. When someone in your life is caught in sin, you need to pour grace into their lives, but don't forget, sometime you need to tell them the truth. If we believe that God's way is the best way for our lives, then we need to tell others the truth. But that's not all. Because I love you, I will offer you grace. Because God loved us, he sent Jesus so that we could have grace. Jesus came uh, so that we could be saved from the untruth that is in our life. Grace must be the mindset of Christians. This kind of love starts within these walls. We need to be telling each other the truth and offering grace to each other. Now, I'm not here to condemn. I'm here to give you grace and to tell you the truth because I love you. It starts within these walls, but it doesn't end here. We got to take this expression outside of these walls to the community, to our coworkers, to our friends, to our neighbors, to the homeless, to the stranger in the store. They need to know the truth and they need to be offered grace. That's what our mission is. John 3, 16, we're told that God so loved the world that he sent his son. Why? So that we may know the truth and so we could have grace. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, he told us to go into all the world and tell others what he's telling us. Jesus came full of grace and truth. Jesus points us to the truth and offers us grace for our mistakes. Some of us in this room here uh, lean too much towards the truth. 
We use our truth to condemn other people. And when some of us in this room lean towards grace, we excuse our actions and other people's actions. And some of us in this room need to learn that Jesus wants to offer both. We say it's not a big deal that Jesus will forgive you. And then some of us think, well, I can do what I want to do. And who are you to judge me? Aren't you glad that Jesus wants the best for us? That's why he tells us to go and sin no more. Only God knows what happened to the woman caught in adultery. I'm certain that her life was, her life was changed. It was a life-changing experience. And you, too, can have a similar experience with Jesus if you need to experience this pardon as freedom, to be acquitted of your sins, I want to invite you silently to talk to him right now in our prayer. Confess your sin and ask for forgiveness. Ask for a new life. Grace and truth. Let's pray. Almighty God, we need both in our lives. You've taught us us. This passage uh, uh, tells it to us greatly. Some of us in this room are, are truth people. And we've been doing it a long time, and it's going to take some work for us to put grace into what we do. But help us to do that. And some of us are grace-only people. And we need to learn that there really are truths that we need to align our lives behind. And so, Father, by your Spirit, come into this room. And in these next few moments of silence, I'm going to give you the chance to just come to Jesus silently. Pray what you need to pray to him about the issues of grace and truth. There are things in your life that need to be changed. Let those things go. And accept his grace and love. And for some of you, you need to be held accountable for what you've done. You've skirted around this issue long enough. And he's calling us to be his people because he's going to do an amazing thing, not only in our church, but through our church. And we need to be part of it. So come Holy Spirit right now and speak into our lives in these next few moments of silence. We ask this in Jesus' name. church need to live our lives in that tension and get ready for what God is going to do this next big movement of the Holy Spirit within our lives and our church
Lord, help us to keep a balance of grace and truth. Forgive us for the things that we've done and call us to righteousness and help us to love one another with a deeper love, a love that comes from you. So easy for us to judge and criticize other people, not only in the church, but in our families and in our neighborhoods. And Lord, you want us to be your people, and that means grace and truth. Help us, Lord, to be followers of yours with that grace and with that truth. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.